This is Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome to another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. With me, as always, from ESPN in West Palm, he is Brian Rowitz. And from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, he was apparently hanging out in the band for MJF wow. last night. He is Jonathan Hood. We'll get to MJF. We'll get to AEW, especially since they had a pretty big announcement last night. But where we begin is the biggest news of the week. We go back to, of course, WWE being purchased by Endeavor. They're going to then combine UFC and WWE into a brand new company, meaning Vince McMahon will be back in charge. We did a, a special podcast. If you want to listen back to it, wherever you get your podcasts, um, when this news broke, on Monday. But clearly some more things have happened since midday Monday. We've had the Raw after WrestleMania, which included an hour commercial free that featured, I think, two minutes of wrestling. I think that's what we got. Two minutes of actual wrestling on Monday in that commercial free hour. Uh, we got Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar um, after an advert. You know, everybody got really excited. And, right. oh, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, we're going to get see a wrestling match on Monday Night Raw. Well, that didn't happen as Brock Lesnar turned on Cody Rhodes before the tag match could even happen. So a lot of things going on in the world of WWE. And amongst that, reports that Vince was sitting back at Gorilla. And he did say himself during an interview with CNBC that he doesn't want to get in the weeds, but ultimately seems to be back in charge of creative. All that said... How do you boys feel about the future direction of the WWE? Well, when Triple H was there in charge for, what, eight or nine months, there was stability there to the point where you had former wrestlers, their agents, and also current wrestlers that want to leave AEW, leave the indies, and to be able to work with Triple H and Stephanie. This is what uh, some of the wrestlers wanted because Vince was out, and so you had a feeling with Triple H in the chair that there was an opportunity, an opportunity to show what you do on Raw and SmackDown to be able to move up in the company because Triple H is more open-minded when it comes to these things. But the thing is, though, is that Vince McMahon worked his way back in. And according to reports, we I've heard several wrestlers say he's like an 80-year-old Tasmanian devil. <laughs> As soon as he comes Yay. back, he does the same things he did nine months to 12 months ago, tearing up scripts, bro, and doing whatever he wants. The idea that he comes right back in the chair and does the same things he did before, we're doing last second changes. You had Omos sitting back there eating and eating cinnamon toast crunch in the back. Was that even supposed to be on Raw? Hey, pal, want to get out there? He goes, I don't even have my gear. We'll right. find some gear. That just shows you where the company was a year ago, and you're going right back to the same cycle of bad booking and and really not being the best at being a booker and a leader for this company. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the reports started cutting out late Monday, early Tuesday. Like, hey, that was the Vince Run Raw. If you watch wrestling, if you've watched WWE, if you were tuning out for a while, at the end of Raw, you're like, you know what? That was a Vince Raw. Like Gabe, you mentioned the commercial free hour. I started Raw like an hour or two late and was just sort of fast-forwarding through things I didn't want to see. I didn't realize it was a commercial-free hour until the next day. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I started, I think, two hours late and finished about 20 minutes after the show actually ended because there was just so much crap to just fast-forward through. Like, sorry, Omosferous Elias doesn't get me pumped up for anything. Elias, sorry. <laughs> like, to answer the question how I feel, I don't feel great. The only positive I'll say is, Maybe I've got some more hours in my life now to watch some random indie shows out of gyms because Raw and SmackDown, you can watch it a lot quicker now. We're not off to a great start. 
<laughs> right? Um, again, ripping up a script hours beforehand, starting over from scratch, you know, the, the whole thing um, of, you know, Brock Lesnar turning on Cody. Apparently that was planned very, very late in the day. Now, and don't get me wrong. Like that seems like it could be intriguing, but Honestly, when Paul Heyman is not involved with Brock Lesnar, I become skeptical. Like we did, like Paul Heyman wasn't involved with the Omos thing. It, I I wasn't into it. I, and I'll I wasn't this into up. it. Are you are you one hundred percent confident that it result in Roman versus Brock? Oh God, <laughs> no, no, I can't be, can't be, can't be, can't be confident because look, if you're going to tell a story of. Cody overcoming some obstacles on his way back to Roman. Like I could, I could sign up for that. You can sign me up for that. But also like Sami Zayn's been the hottest thing. We continue to talk about it. I bring it up every single week. Sami Zayn, hottest thing in WWE. Garen Damkt, that thing's going to get cooled down. Like there's no chance that the tag team championships and the tag team champions are going to be featured prominently with Vince in charge. Uh, Reports from Sean Ross Sapp and Dave Meltzer saying that morale just plummeting after Mm -hmm. this, because there are a lot of wrestlers who are cut by Vince that are fearful of their jobs. And, you know, shockingly that, you know, wrestlers who are trying to put on an entertaining show, not knowing what they're doing an hour before the program, turns out that's not great for morale. Who would have guessed it? And (laughs) so, no, I, I am terrified. Like the fact that Vince is back in charge and the fact that Vince and look, Vince is the greatest booker of all time. Greatest booker of all time. He's 80 years old. He's lost his fastball. He's he's out of touch. Like that's, that's what happens when you get old. It's so hard to stay relevant and stay on top of things. And the, the way this dude just has run things over the last five years, it wasn't very interesting. I'm not saying Triple H was perfect, but he was a hell of a lot better than Vince. So on YouTube, Gerald Reed says, I'm scared. No new supporters, old superstars aging, losing fans daily. Better question, how long will it last under Vince? I'm glad Gerald asked that question. How long is going an- to be under Vince? Here's the answer, Gerald. So do you realize that this is the first time since Vince's dad, was running the Worldwide Wrestling Federation that Vince McMahon, the Vince that we know now, is working for someone. It's the first time that he hasn't been the actual boss under this Endeavor deal. Remember the WWE sold to Endeavor. And if you go back to that CNBC press conference, Vince jokingly, with a wink and a nod, told, was it, was it Ari, um, the guy next to him? the guy Ari Emanuel. Ari Emanuel, who's the CEO of Endeavor. He says to Emmanuel, I, I thought you were working for me, pal. <laughs> no, actually, Vince, you're working for him. This is why this will not work long term. I will tell this to WWE fans are concerned about the direction of the company. I'm not sure how long this is going to be, but it's not going to be long term because there's going to be TV deals coming up. And of course, there's going to be a vote with this whole thing on whether or not Vince McMahon should still be in command. I think this is a great sweetheart deal for Endeavor to say, oh, we need Vince. Vince has to be here. He's such a creative mind. He's a creative genius. But I'm just telling you that Vince McMahon hasn't had to answer to anybody since 1983. And so now here's in 2023. He presides over creative. But I don't think that this is the long-term thing. As a matter of fact, because it's UFC and the WWE, with them being together, guys, I think that this is going to work for the short term. But would Vince at, at, at the helm? No. I don't think that this is a long-term deal. See, I completely disagree with that because when you look at it, and we talked about it on Monday, Endeavor is not a wrestling company. They just see dollars. And what they're going to see is one and a half to two million people watching Raw every week, over two million people watching SmackDown every week. 
they're going to continue to see that. They're going to see full arenas because the 40-year-old in, you know, middle of nowhere, Kansas says, oh, Monday Night Raw, I've heard of that. Let me take my kid. They're going to go to that. They're going to fill out arenas. The merchandise is going to sell. The wrestling fans like us will be impacted, but the overall bottom line probably won't be because it's still going to be that brand name. It still say, is the WWE, and that's what's ultimately going to matter to Endeavor. But, bro, it's it's not about money. It's about power when it comes to Vince. Sure. Because he, because he has generational wealth. I'm just saying that the first disagreement that Endeavor has with Vince, who do you think is going to win that? It should be Endeavor because they're the owners. This is right. why this will be a disconnect for Vince to realize that you're actually not the one in power. You can do whatever you want in creative. But I'm just saying that Vince wants things his way. And I don't know if he can have everything his way with Endeavor being his boss. See, I agree. I, I agree with that. But what's Endeavor going to, you know, interject it? What are they going to argue on? Like if Vince says, "Hey, Omos and Roman are main eventing Mania," they don't care. They're like, "Oh yeah, look at that guy. That's a monster. That's going to sell some tickets." Well, the board I, of directors. I, well, the board of directors still could vote him out. Just remember the last time there was a vote. Do you know Nick Khan did not vote for Vince to return? <laughs> you know that, right? I mean, that is that's the truth. So I mean, there could be they could throw him overboard. And, and get him out of the company again. And and by the way, do not be surprised if there's more to come with Vince. This is not the last thing. And right. he signed a lot of checks to try to get out of his um, his sexual deviant behavior while he was the head of the WWE. Wouldn't be surprised if there's more. And again, do you want that smoke if you right. are Endeavor? I don't know. I just, if something like that, if, if more accusations like that, I see Endeavor getting involved. But other than that, like Endeavor is spinning off a new company and more or less putting Vince in charge of it. Right. Like Ari Emanuel, I don't know how much he's going to be involved in any day today. So obviously, ultimately, big time decisions will have to be run through Endeavor because they'll be the parent company. But they're spinning off a, a WWE and UFC into a new company in which Vince is going to be the high, like from my understanding, the highest thing up in that company. Whatever it is, like he's going to be above Dana White. Not, not the, not for the long haul. It will not be the long haul. I, I'm going to stay, plant my flag on that comment. It will not because, again, you guys are looking at the money and looking at how much dollar, and it's going to be a lot, by the way, because Gabe, you hit on it on our Monday podcast. Because uh, when Mark Shapiro said we like the UFC model when it comes to pay per view, uh oh, oh, that then when the ne next TV deal comes in, Peacock aside. You it would not surprise me if UFC and the WWE are both on ESPN. Sure. I mean, the WWE is so light, and they don't they don't bleed, and they don't do blood and guts. It's a Disney like product. Hey, if the UFC is on ESPN, right. WWE <laughs> certainly can be. And now they're both can be under Endeavor. So again, you guys are looking at the dollars, and the dollars will always be there. But there's something about Vince and power that's going to be a disconnect here. You'll see. We've seen oh, this we've before. Seen We've seen how Endeavor handled Dana White and like all his transgressions. They were fine with that. And Dan Levitard pointed out, which I thought was a pretty good point this week, where, you know, they were so quiet Endeavor with the Dana White stuff happened, where he is on video striking his wife and they had nothing to say about that. And Levitard pointed out it's probably because they were in the middle of making this deal and you can't put your foot down on Dana and be like, hey, welcome into Vince McMahon. Yeah. So that probably played into that. And like they sort of set that precedent for themselves right now. But, yeah, I don't think they care. I do think ultimately we go down that line where, you know, we see the UFC on ABC on a Saturday afternoon now. Like, you're yeah. seeing some of that stuff. So, ultimately, the WWE is going to grow. I think they figured out it work. Like, they know the name McMahon. That's all they know from a wrestling standpoint. 
I think Vince is still going to get his way in as wrestling fans. That sucks. Ari Emanuel basically said, he's like, yeah, I wouldn't have done this deal without Vince. Right. Which is like, he he pretty much said that. Like he's, he is empowering Vince. Like I, I, and, and yes, maybe some more sexual allegations come out. Some, some sexual misconduct that Vince did. I wouldn't be shocked, but Endeavor's already put the precedent out there. They don't give a shit. They don't care. They like the deal initially, but again, it is, I, I, Okay, I don't want to get so deep in the weeds on it, but I'm just telling you that I don't think from Vince's standpoint that he can tolerate someone over him. This is not – you guys are looking at this like this is a working relationship where they're working hand in hand. It's – I believe Endeavor, especially because of Vince's misconduct, no matter the money, it's just that how Vince operates. We'll see what happens. I don't think it's going to be long haul. But I think that for the average wrestling fan that's watching and listening to our podcast, they concern, they're concerned about the in-ring product. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned about the in-ring product because I don't want Ron SmackDown to go backwards where it was a year ago. <laughs> I'm concerned about that too. Yeah, no, it's going to. It's going to. Like, I'm not. I'm not concerned about it because I know what's going to happen. Like, <laughs> it's it's not a concern when I already know what's going to happen. Like Bailey. So now you get all the stuff with Bailey. Like, who knows what's going to happen with her? She's clearly pissed off. Where uh-huh. to the point where she was supposed to be on Monday Night Raw. Vince decided to write her out of the script. They then bury the two stars you're supposed to be working with, and they end up losing their number one contender tag team match. In they don't mention Bailey on commentary. So who knows what's happening with Bailey? There are some cryptic tweets coming out of her account, like. She's one of your biggest women stars, man. Like, and you're just going to run her out the way you ran out Sasha Banks. Right. And I I will say if you're Triple H though, you're definitely getting the revisionist history pump because we've talked a lot the last few months. We're like, yeah, things were great when Hunter first took over, but recently it hasn't been great. We've sort of given that sort of grace period to Triple H, but now when it comes to revisionist history a year from now, and Vince has run the company even more to the ground, like, and I miss Triple H. Like, he was so good. Like, that's going to definitely help his ego. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, okay, yeah, Triple H, I think that they could have done some better things in the run yes. up to WrestleMania. Sure. Like, we've had our criticisms. It's still light years. Like, those <laughs> criticisms, it's still light years of whatever the hell Vince is going to do. Like, yeah, there were missteps, but he still had other really good things on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that in his position, I know that's not the topic, but I think we should just mention that for the time the Triple H was in place, I think that he did at worst a B plus effort because again, there were so many things that he had to try to untangle, try to push the Intercontinental Championship, try to push the U.S. Championship, the Tag Team Championships. He's involved in the great storyline in wrestling with the Bloodline. He, he could not fix the whole World Heavyweight Championship situation either. He couldn't fix it or thought. Man, this is working so well. We'll just continue to have Roman be the champion. Either way, he's presided over all of that. And to watch Triple H on Monday Night Raw, by the way, say nothing and just say everything's going to be fine. He's going to be out there on Friday as well on SmackDown, maybe to say nothing. I was waiting for the the big surprise. The big surprise is he came out and still can cut a 15-minute promo. Congratulations. (laughs) I already knew that. He came out and did the Wolf of Straw's Wall Street. We're not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, because that really worked out great for him. Are you saying we're not going to Triple H pipe bomb tomorrow night? Is he not going to go off on Vince on TV? God, that would be fantastic if he did. I it wish would he be. would. I, would I, I wish. It would be a little awkward, but it would be awesome on TV. It would be fantastic if he just quit live on TV. All right, let's book it. Let's book it. Okay, so he comes out. I'm like, he's that gorilla in a full suit. But before uh-huh. he goes to the camera, he takes off that whole shirt and tie and jacket. He puts on a leather, leather coat and a DX shirt, right? He comes <laughs> out there. And he comes up there, well, uh, 
they took my company away from me. Uh, like all, all of a sudden, right? The fans are behind him like, yeah, yeah, we really love. Yeah, so the guy with the little mustache took my company away. When we were on NXT, takeovers were the best, was better than the pay-per-views. And now I don't have my company anymore. <laughs> I like, I mean, I mean, I'd love to see that. Now you got a big disconnect. I mean, you can book an angle that way. Like him and his NXT guys versus Vince and the WWE guys. Like, you know, Theory and then Gargano and Triple H. I like, yeah, I can get behind that storyline. You need something after this bloodline. Got to have something. Right. But of course, <laughs> you know that results in Theory going over as world champion, right? Because like Vince will ultimately win that feud. Yep. Boy, um, we're going right back to 6,000 at the Garden. <laughs> well, so... Again, that's that's yeah. That was the Vince era. That was, I mean, that's uh part of now. now You talk about something that was wrong with Vince. You can talk about Raw and SmackDown and the booking, all that. When you go back to your home base at Madison Square Garden, especially during the holidays, you draw six or seven thousand people. That's all on booking. When New York says no, that's bad. Like again, I feel like the booking for WrestleMania was pretty hot. Being at the house show in Milwaukee in the run up to WrestleMania, I was surprised by the number of people there. I texted you guys that right away when I showed up. I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, they they shut down the upper, right? But the lower bowl was pretty full. Like it, it was one of the, the more well-attended house shows that I've seen on a Saturday night in Milwaukee. And again, I feel like, you know, being at Raw before that, when it was in Milwaukee, I feel like people were getting behind the product. I don't know how many people will now. I'm fearful of Cody Rhodes. You had built him up. I don't know if he's going to continue to be built up. Do you see him going over Brock Lesnar in a Vince-led WWE? Like, Brock gave, my only hope is this, when it comes to that storyline. And I know we're going to touch on Cody in a little bit, but my only hope is that Brock was giving interview, gave an interview where he was saying, yeah, I don't know how much I have left, you know? Like, don't know how much I love doing this. I, I mean, but every time I get out there, like, I just feel that adrenaline pumping because I really love, you know, having that live crowd behind me. And I wonder if Brock's an old school wrestling guy enough. I know he didn't grow up in it, but that he would go, you know, much like The Undertaker put him over at WrestleMania all those years ago, if he would put Cody Rhodes over on his way out the door. But if Vince says, hey, I'm putting you over, pal, I mean, Brock's not going to say no. Like, Brock's going to go whatever direction Vince takes him in. That's his guy. Remember the night that Vince was sort of kicked out and we left that SmackDown? Brock walked out also. Like, Brock is going to have his back regardless. He's going to think whatever Vince says is the gospel, is the greatest thing. So he's a 1,000% team Vince. Yeah, to push Roman to the side and say, you're not going to be part of Backlash or some of these other shows. And are on top of the card, it'll be Brock and Cody. People can understand that part of the storyline, too, because Brock turns on Cody. And so, okay, so if you go through Brock, you can get right back in the main event, or at least around it, sure. to take on Roman. I totally understand that story. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll give you another um, hot take here. Here's another one. How about this, guys? Because Brock is back, it, it dawned on me after watching Monday Night Raw, my God. Brock Lesnar is the greatest creation for Vince McMahon in his career. Not Hogan. Not the Ultimate Warrior. Not Randy Savage, not Shawn Michaels or Brett. It's Brock. Think about this. For Brock's been in the company since what? 2000. Look that up, bro. Is it 2002, 2003, somewhere in there? He beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania, which was just like, shouldn't have happened, bizarre. But he's pushed Brock so much and had him be the champion and come in whenever he wants to. It's his greatest creation. It is. And he's still around. So not, even the, not even The Undertaker. 
I was about to say, you, you've missed out on The Undertaker. So right. you're giving more credit to Mark Calloway for The Undertaker than Vince? Yep. That's fair. I thought it was The Undertaker for a long time until Brock is still hanging around. Like, I mean, Brock says he's going to be finishing up soon. What does that mean, finishing up this year? Right. Or finishing up for, you know, for his career? Well, he'll keep showing up as long as Vince keeps giving him bigger checks. Like, and, and, <laughs> and if Vince believes what you were just saying, Jay hood, like if Vince believes that this is one of the greatest creations he's had, like, Oh no, what do I do without him? All right. I'll just keep cutting checks, keep cutting checks. And if you keep cut, if you keep giving Brock Lesnar a raise without Brock having to negotiate, I got a feeling Brock's going to show up once a month on raw four pay-per-views a year. March of 02, by the way, is when he debuted, but like, it's going to go down that same path. Like I said, again, we're like, it feels like we're inevitably going to get Brock versus Roman again. So get ready, Nashville. That's your SummerSlam main event once again, because those are the two guys. Like, look at them. That's who I want main eventing shows. Like, it's just the same old stuff with Vince. He has no new ideas. Like, you can say you're the greatest booker of all time, but at one point you have to step back. And I know with an ego like that, he won't. And say, huh, maybe I don't got it anymore. Yeah, you by the way, this. Kiss, your, kiss your dream of Sammy ever going over as champ. Goodbye. Yeah, that's Completely gone. Dead. That's dead. I mean, it's either Sammy's DOA. Yeah, yeah, either it's DOA or Sammy has to wait a long time, like uh, Daniel Bryan had to. Like, if someone's super over, Vince is not going to go with them. Not immediately. That's not how it works. Not with no, him. And that's the thing. Like, if he, his super over, which we already saw at Elimination Chamber, like Mania next year, like it's not going to be the same. Especially when Sammy's barely on TV. Like he's going to be wrestling, you know, the maximum male models. Like, oh yeah, we have tag titles. Like, let's throw that on backlash. Like, yeah, no, Sammy's completely down the drain. Sammy's going to go back to a comedy character and mm -hmm. all the work that he did over the past year, most of which was under Hunter when that cat, when that character and that part of the bloodline storyline got real interesting. Most of it was also organic. Yes. Like, I don't even know if Hunter deserves all the credit for that. No, no. Sammy deserves a lot of it. Right. Because again, like Sammy's so damn good, he comes up with the word, I'm not, I'm feeling oozy. Right. <laughs> you know, or when he called Logan Paul the biggest number two and Roman can't contain himself. Like that's all Sammy and everybody like just buying into Sammy. So yeah. bye bye. So, yeah. so in, in two years, will this be worth it to pay what 80 bucks for pay per view, whatever it costs for UFC? Is that what's because that's what's going to cost. It won't be just the old premium peacock anymore. That's the thing, like, if literally, like, if we know this show, I could see myself wanting to pay for Rumble because that is fun every year. But, like, from a wrestling standpoint, no, I don't want to pay for two nights of Mania because it would be $80 twice. So they're never going back to one night. Like, oh, I can sell a stadium two nights in a row? Like, let's go. I guess my only hope is there has to be some sort of financial advantage of doing it the way they've done it. Otherwise, Vince would not have pulled the trigger on it when he did whenever it happened back in what 2013 14 yeah, whatever whatever year it was mm -hmm. like vince vince isn't a dummy right like vince knows how to make money well, yeah i mean <laughs> yes when it comes to booking wrestling storylines yes he's a big old dumbass but like if, if if he was leaving money on the table he wouldn't have gone to the wwe network format to begin sure. with right so my guess is there's got to be a reason they decided to do it this way and you can actually make like this is the smarter way to make money, and therefore they'll stick with it. That's my only hope, but it's it's just a shot in the dark and realistically a hail mary because I like it this way because I can stay connected to it. Right. And again, if you if you alienate your wrestling fans, good luck selling those pay per views. That's all yeah. I have to say. Good luck so, selling uh, those pay per views. So just one last thing on this topic, and we can move on. I just want to ask you guys. 
do you think that the average fan and the average fan is either with their significant other or with family, family of four, family five, do you believe that they care about who's in creative? Can they even tell? Like after three hours yes. of sitting at a raw, no, yeah. I'm just, no, I don't mean diehards like us. I'm talking about the average fan that's going to James L. Knight Center in Miami or going to, you know, going to Pfizer Forum, going to Allstate Arena in Chicago or all the other places around the country. Do you think that they are affected by who's in the back? If you take an eight or nine year old to a three hour raw and the first hour is all talking, you're telling me that kid's entertained. Depends. He's not. He's not. That kid's going to lose interest. You have to have something in front of him, like to, to grab the kid's attention. Adults I would say talking, that's the only thing. Yes, like a, a adults kid, talking for an hour. That's not going to. That, that's not going to grab the kid's attention. Well, that's, not even that's, the, that's, the talking that's, part. What about the wrestler walks out to the ring, stands there for twenty minutes, and yeah. then you don't get action until thirty minutes later? Listen, I'm not saying that you guys are wrong, but if that's the case, then AEW should be over a million every every week. It should be full every and every Wednesday it should be full if, if it's about action. I well, agree no, with it's, what you're saying, it's a combination of both. What yeah. I'm saying is it's a combination of both, right? Like that's what we've always talked about. The the pay-per-views, the, the the men and women in WWE, AEW are super talented. You let them go in the ring, they're gonna deliver. It's about being able to draw grab you and have that connection, which is why Sammy got over, which is why so many people were rooting for Cody Rhodes on WrestleMania Sunday, because they were able to grab onto the storyline. You have to combine the two. If you're too heavy one way, the way AEW is, or if you're too heavy the other way, the way one hour, the first hour of Monday Night Raw is, you're not going to grab people's attention. You got to find a way to combine both of them. And that's how AEW gets over a million. That's how Monday Raw, Monday Night Raw gets back over consistently to million people when Monday Night Football's not out. To be clear, I'm not, I don't disagree with you guys. I'm just saying that I'm because you've been fed dog crap for uh, over a decade with that same formula, by the way of more talking less and less wrestling. I'm just wondering how if the if the average fan is going to get tired of that. Not us that's in the weeds. Right. I'm just saying that 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 family for that loves to see Bianca Belair no matter how bad the show is, got to be able to see Roman Reigns, got to be able to see individual talent. I'm just wondering how that works today. To me, it's not entertaining to me, but I'm just wondering because you see the attendance figures, you see the numbers from for their pay-per-views, and they're not slowing it down anytime soon. Despite no, those attendance, those attendance figures will go down. You just mentioned yeah. about being in, at Madison Square Garden and drawing seven thousand people. Like yeah. you start putting shitty creative out, and those those in-house numbers are going to fall. I guarantee yeah. you. Yeah, but there is something because, like, I originally thought the other way, and then listening to you gave sort of convinced me that, like, no, like, yes, they will notice. The one thing, though, from like a child standpoint, like. You're going to get those random fart jokes that result in a chant. Like, they're going to go home remembering that. They're going to go home remembering seeing Bianca dance. So you might only have three moments in a three-hour show, but there's something to that where it's like, oh, I want to go buy a T-shirt of Bianca because she was really cool. Or I want to go buy a Cody shirt because he made a joke about farts with Roman. Like, there is something to that from a, you know, childish humor, which Vince loves. So there is that part. I'm sure there will still be plenty of this going forward. I, for one, am not looking forward to SmackDown tomorrow night, um, especially because a two-hour show with an hour of talking is, yeah, that's not going to be great. Anyway, we move on to some of the other big stories going on in the world of professional wrestling. We like to call it the three count. Brian, what do we have at number one? 
We'll head on over to the world of AEW Dynamite last night with a couple of big stories. Which one is the bigger deal? Was it the AEW debut of Jay White, who opened the show, attacking Ricky Starks? Or was it Tony Khan's big announcement this time, which is that AEW All In will take place Sunday, August 27th in London at the 90,000 seat Wembley Stadium? Okay, so is All In replacing All Out? Are they trying to no. get away of are they trying to get away of from all out because of brawl out? Like they want to get away from that branding. So Anthony Bowens tweeted responding to a fan because someone asked that exact question, Anthony Bowens, friend of the show. And he responded saying, No, all out is still happening the following week in Chicago. So I think they might want us to pay for two pay-per-views on back-to-back weekends. Uh, that's not great. <laughs> that's 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 poor booking, trying to book. I mean, for a company that does one a quarter to then going back-to-back weekends, that seems like – this is a big swing from Tony Khan, and and we can talk about All Out once they make that official um, later. But this is like a huge swing. To do your first stadium show at Wembley in London, like you are banking that you're going to draw a huge-ass number. Because even if you draw something spectacular for AEW, like 45,000, that's half the stadium. And it's going to look half empty and it's going to look bad. So he must be very, very confident that they're going to be able to sell a large number of those tickets to be at Wembley Stadium um, for a big show. And look, that that instantly becomes their biggest show. Like everything they're building towards has to go to Wembley versus whatever the hell they're going to end up doing in Chicago for All Out, assuming they still do Chicago, assuming they still do All Out. Yeah, God bless Tony Khan for taking a big swing. God bless him, man. He's like, you know what? I see what the WWE's doing. I see what New Japan's doing. We have to find out who's with us in the UK. Apparently, there's been such a big, big issue with people in the UK saying, when is AEW coming over here? Okay, so we're here. So you're going to come fly in? You're going to drive in? I think it's great. I, I, I clearly, you know, taking Jay White away from WWE because everything we read during yes. WrestleMania weekend, Jay White's <laughs> coming, Jay White's coming. And then, you know, with just a stroke of the pen, Tony Khan says, hold my beer. How about this? How about we sign Jay White? And so, and also he didn't reveal it beforehand, which usually he gets sort of trigger happy. Like that was a yeah. legit surprise last night. So Jay White slipped past Vince McMahon because Vince doesn't know who Jay White is. Correct. If, if Triple H was in charge, I believe it's totally in charge. Jay White yep. would be a WWE superstar. But mm-hmm. again, Vince doesn't know who that is. And immediately, since he's a- available and free, he goes to AEW. That is a big deal because I didn't expect that to happen. That that All of the insiders were thrown off by that to open up the show on Dynamite. But clearly, being in London is a bigger deal because this is Tony Khan putting his balls on the table, saying, here we go. Now, I expect it to be successful. And again, will it be 90000 No. It won't be that, but I think it's going to be a significant amount of people that will sample the AEW product just because it's in Wembley Stadium, and Tony does have some swag in the UK because of his soccer team. So I'm happy for them. I think that's awesome. If it's not going to be 90, what do you think the goal should be for attendance? 70? I think it should be 70 because you got the big scoreboard. You got the big, uh, you know, the ramp and everything else that goes along. Yeah, but with you uh, some some seats pretty much. Those yeah. seats pretty much get replaced with anything you do on the, I guess, in this instance, field, which would yeah. be the floor. Yeah. So, I mean, I, my guess is they could probably still fit close to 85,000 people in that stadium for a wrestling event. Sure, sure. And, 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 Doesn't and, that have to be the goal? If you're taking it out? this big of a swing, like, there there has to be a reason. The last time a show was held, there was SummerSlam of 92. 
we're in 2023. So if Vince even doesn't want to run there, and we know what his ego is, Tony has to see something in ratings or some, you know, sort of, you know, analytics that makes him believe this is possible. Yeah. Your goal can't be 70%. Man, it's just, it, it seems like a huge leap because what's the, the biggest thing they've done is United Center, right? When CM Punk came back. Yes. They sold out the United Center, which is what, 17, 18,000? Uh, 20, 22,000. Okay. So What's they did 20. Arthur Ashe was a lot. Okay. They've done Arthur Ashe too, which is around that same number. Yeah. Right. So now they have to <laughs> triple that. Yeah. That'll be quadruple fine. that. Quadruple it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll draw out there in the UK. Absolutely. It will draw. Okay. It will draw. Yeah, I, don't, I, I hope so, man. I just, yeah. I hope so. I have no idea. I'd like, I honestly have no idea what this, like, they could sell it out. They could do 40,000. And, and I don't think I'd be shocked right now from anything in between because they just, they haven't done anything close to this scale. Yeah, It just yeah. seems like a large leap to me for a company that's less than five years old. It's all good. Uh, Punk will be back by then. That's the thing. <laughs> you need to give people a reason to want to go there. The first ever show out of North America. That was my first thought. You have FTR <laughs> winning last night. They're not going anywhere. Like this has to be main evented by Kenny and Punk. Yeah, I think I, I and then I, you're gonna be in Chicago a week later. You're just gonna <laughs> piss everybody off. You do the it's trio basically then. been yours it's basically been your hometown. Like you've run all of your big events in Chicago, and then you're gonna put punk Kenny on it. And look, you probably have to, but you yes. also risk then alienating like the one place you continuously come back and continuously support. Chicago get elite versus uh, punk and FCR. There you go. There's your compromise. Uh, here's what I can guarantee you. If it is true that Chicago's after the UK show, Chicago will sell out. I'll give you that guarantee. <laughs> I can give you that. The UK show. Listen, I, you know, here's how I, I look at AEW like this. I look at it practically because you are a young company, a new company. Whatever you get is gravy. Whatever you get is gravy. But it is because you're the number two company in in North America. And yeah. so when people look at the, the ratings and they look at the attendance, they only drew 5,000 people here. Oh, they only got 800. Man, it's a Wednesday night. You'll take <laughs> anything in today's in today's TV. You'll take 800,000. And after the replays, it ends up to be like 900 or 950,000. You'll take it. And same thing here in the U.K., I, look, will we see some empty seats? Maybe, maybe not. But I know one thing. This will be the biggest show that they've ever done. The biggest grossing oh, show. Yes. Done. Yeah. And by the way, take your hat off. Because outside of New Japan and WWE, who else can fill a stadium besides AEW? So. Well, no, that's what I'm, I mean, again, like this, it's a big swing because to me, either it really legitimizes you. Like if you can put on a stadium show and you're not the WWE, like a stadium show outside the United States. Obviously, New Japan does what they do in their country. But, like, if you could put on a stadium show, like, that really, like, holy bleep, man. Like, you've got everyone's attention. And that's, like, again, it's a big swing. But you also now risk falling flat on your face, where right. if you only sell 45,000 tickets, like, everybody's going to be clowning you for the next six months. Right, because that's the thing. It's going to be yeah. an investment to get everyone over there to, you know, do the set and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, forty thousand doesn't look great in that situation. I don't think it's going to fail. I don't. And, and, okay. And I I will. I don't think it's going to fail. I can't guarantee a ninety thousand, but it won't fail. <laughs> I know what it look. By the way, I know what those shows look like. You know, on, on when World Class was dead on its ass, and they stepped trying to keep putting like Kerry Von Eric on top against Ric Flair or Harley Race. You know, there was some empty seats at Cowboy Stadium. You could see them, right? 
AWA, when it was bad, they had Wrestle Rock trying to be hip, Vern trying to be hip in 86, and a half, more, a three quarters empty Metrodome. And of course, AWA didn't have the wherewithal to hide the camera, like hide the empty seats. <laughs> like put everybody, camera. put everybody yeah. on the hard cam. Yeah, the hard cam was the empty seats. Like, Vern, <laughs> if you're going to do this, have fans, at least it's it, so. That's on YouTube, kids, to watch that from 86. Like, he wanted to do a stadium show. Like, we're going to be like WrestleMania. It wasn't like WrestleMania. <sighs> this is in Minneapolis. It is like nobody there. So I, I think that because of AEW's momentum, guys, I think it will do well. I do. Well, why do you think Vince hasn't run anywhere over there? Like, Clash of the Castle this past year was the first time they even ran a pay-per-view over there. Why have they not touched that place? It's it's interesting when you hear Bruce Pritchard say uh, talk about this in the past. He'd say they say, well, okay, why haven't you run anything since '92 before Clash of the Castle? They talk about the time zone thing. That's what uh, they would okay. say. It's like, oh well, the time zone you can't run shows in the middle of the day. I think it was fine. Clash of the Castle, it was fine in the middle of the yeah. day. It was night in the UK, but they would say the time zone thing and the logistics of that. And but I've, that's old school thinking. But under Triple H. And Big Con, by the way, right. actually the castle happened, and look how successful that was. So okay. I think that that's the reason. That was the long term reason why that Vince would not run in that uh, in that country. That makes sense then. Okay, but I do think you know we talk about the Vince stuff and like they're on the downward trend. Like there needs to be sort of that next step for AEW. Eight seventy seven was a number. Find a way to get there. I mean, you Indeed. you just became very digitized there, pal. So I'm I just agree. gonna I'm gonna say I agree, <laughs> and let's move on to number two. I think that's a great point. Your best <laughs> point of the day. Good. I'm glad I can make that. Paul Heyman without Ariel Hawani talking about Cody Rhodes losing at WrestleMania and Roman taking away that moment. He said, "Quote: They blame Roman Reigns for it, and they appreciate how close Cody came. And they know now. They know the next time Cody Rhodes steps in the ring with Roman Reigns, this will be the one." That's the business. That's the business at its very best. That's promotion at its very best. That's storytelling at its very best. So, guys, is Cody Rhodes a bigger star after his WrestleMania loss? Uh, I don't know if he's a bigger star, um, but he's certainly a more sympathetic figure. Like I think clearly, and he's the, one of the best ever to do this, right? Uh, but clearly the wise man is just selling his ass off. Right. Like he's he's selling the storyline. He's selling the reason why they won. But that doesn't mean that it's all BS. I think there is something in there of making Cody a more sympathetic figure. Now, again, the fact that Vince is in charge makes me skeptical that Cody's actually going to go over his next opponent, which appears to be Brock Lesnar. So that makes me a little skeptical. But if if Cody goes like going over Brock just instantly legitimizes him the next time he faces Roman. Right. Like it just, oh, Brock is like the second biggest star they have. He's been one of the biggest rivals for Roman. He was the last human to hold one of those belts that brought that uh, Roman continues to hold up by beating him. It just instantly legitimizes it more in the storyline. And again, I think I said this before Mania, and I'm saying it again now. I think the money for Cody is in the chase. So prolonging that chase to me is not a bad thing. Bully Ray from Busted Open on SiriusXM asked a very good question. He asked on Twitter if Dusty Rhodes was alive to book the storyline between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns, how would Dusty book it? 
And I think the majority of people, and some don't don't remember Dusty as a booker for Jim Crockett in the NWA, because while he was wrestling, he was booking for Jim Crockett, and they had a lot of success with Dusty as a booker. The answer to the question is Dusty would have had Roman Reigns go over too, because Dusty understood the chase. He chased Ric Flair for years. He understood, like, when Dusty was a champion, it was like, oh, Dusty's a champion. Okay, now what? All right? He finally got the chase. He, he was a, okay, now what? The, the fun was to pay a ticket to see Dusty Rhodes kick Ric Flair's ass, again, for the chase for the championship. I agree with Billy Ray. He says that the same thing like Paul's saying. The chase of Cody and him trying to finish the story is compelling. If he listen, as much as I think it would have been cool for him to be, be the champion to stretch this out even more so against Brock Lesnar, maybe having a rematch with Roman is cool. But I think that Cody is a bigger star, not just after loss, but just being in the WWE again, he's a bigger star than he mm -hmm. was in AEW. He is because in AEW, we were covering it. We realized fans were booing him in AEW, they wanted him to turn heel, he would bust his ass, he would uh, he set his back on fire, he would do moonsaults off the top of a cage in Atlanta. He did all this stuff to try to get over. And fans in AEW are like, Yeah, you're too much of a baby face, you're trying to beat John Cena. So, you know what? He left, and actually, he's a bigger star now, even in the loss and even in WWE 2.0, than he was in AEW. So my issue, though, is like, yes, I agree the chase is where the money's at. We all talked about going into Mania where Cody's supposed to be this sympathetic baby face, and there's really nothing to feel bad about. He was number 30 in the Rumble. He's only been back for a few months. He's getting into Mania. Like, really, all it was was the torn pack. But I think there is something to, like, us having those moments, us believing and then taking it away and doing it again. Because now, moving forward, sure, you're going to feed him to Brock. He's going to beat Brock. But we've heard all the sympathetic stuff already. We've heard how he's doing it for Dusty. We've heard the Roman angle, like, hey, you're just going to run away when things get rough. And there's only so many times you can tease something. We thought Drew was going to win. We thought Sammy was going to win. We thought Cody was going to win. Yes, there is something like, all right, I want to see it when it happens. But there's also the opposite effect of like, you know what? It's not going to happen. Just tell me when it does. Like, you can't just keep teasing it and then ultimately not pay it off, which it feels like the WWE is doing right now. Yeah, maybe they they put too much into this the the first part of the chase and and kind of you know threw too many of those one liners mm -hmm. you know to kind of go back and forth with him and Roman this time around. But I understand a lot of people wanted him to go over. I it just didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel if you want to finish the story. And I know Triple H. Well, this is WWE. The story never actually ends. Mm -hmm. You keep telling it. Blah, 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 blah. But like. <laughs> It just didn't. <laughs> I heard him say that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and also who took my Snickers. <laughs> then he decided to go back up there and throw Kevin under the bus on night two. Yeah. Like, oh, good thing there's no Snickers out here. Oh, I guess we don't have Kevin. It's fine. Where's um, my Kevin's not a body tag? guy. That's what it is. Where's my fat ass tag champ? Where is yeah. he with his Snickers? That's what like, I it had if I didn't know that KO was a Triple H guy, like I think he would just be making fat jokes at KO's expense. But like, <laughs> luckily, luckily we do know that KO obviously has Triple H in his corner. Yes, but it just felt like the the whole finish the story thing, like the story just wasn't complete yet. Like you have to go through a little bit more turbulence, just something to be challenged on your way to Brock Le to excuse me to Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar is that like this is the first time we've seen Cody Rhodes in any sort of peril mm -hmm. since he returned right like he wasn't ever really in peril in the feud with um 
with Seth other than tearing his pec. You know, but that was that happened off camera. It's not like that was something that happened in the middle of a match. He, as you mentioned, he entered at number 30. He gave the first loss to Solo Sokoa. Like, he's never actually been in any peril. So now he can be a little bit of a babyface in peril, overcome that, and then go take on Roman. But the other thing is, Brock's always going to be Brock. But from a storytelling standpoint, like, these last few months of Brock have not been dominant Brock. Like, he beats Omos, and then Omos no-sells the F5. He's out the ring after. He loses to Lashley before that. Like, he hasn't been running through everyone just dominating the way we're used to. Yeah, because he's been babyface Brock. Yeah, that's 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 uh, ultimately yeah. the reason why. Yeah, you know, you know, as, you know what, bro? It says you are reading what Heyman had to say. It's like, my God, you hear the explanation. It's like, why is he not running WWE? Yep. I mean, he'd have to worry about bouncing any checks in WWE. It would just be him and creative. <laughs> my God, man! No, how come? How come Gabe? Why is it that Paul Heyman's explanations in his interviews are better than anything that Vince would ever say? Because Vince speaks in sound bites or Triple H. He just lays it out perfectly. Like every time you see him interviewed, it's thoughtful, it's deep, there's layers to it. And it's like after he's done talking, you go, My God. Yeah, at heart, he's still a booker. I don't know who the greatest professional wrestling mind of like all time is that, that I would leave to more of the historian like you, Jay hood. But I think of my lifetime, Paul Heyman's probably the greatest professional wrestling mind. Like everything I've ever, I've always been drawn anytime he gets involved in something. And obviously when he gets involved in the creative of something, like when, when he's playing his on-screen character, he's going to have a large say in how all of that goes. And it's the reason why, Everything he has done in, in his time in WWE, whether it was when CM Punk turned heel, so then he's with CM Punk or with Brock Lesnar. I mean, the only thing that really failed was when Cesaro was like a baby face and they tried to make Lesnar his manager. And that's really the only thing that's kind of failed. It just never quite connected, mm-hmm. probably because, again, when you see Paul Heyman, you think heel. He's a schmarmy heel. That's what he is. Like when the, the only reason we knew Brock or Roman Reigns was not a badass babyface when he came back and was actually a heel is because they, the camera just slowly panned out when he was sitting there mm. to reveal Paul Heyman next to him. Like, oh, he's a bad guy now because if you're associated with Paul, you have to be a bad guy. Like, Paul, Paul is one of the greatest professional wrestling minds, I think, of all time. Certainly, like, since I – of my lifetime. I think because every time I see him involved with something, I just naturally become drawn to it as wrestling fan. Yeah, we talk about Roman and or Cody open with their interviews and say, "Paul's the same way." It's it you. It's almost like Paul's not a WWE contracted performer when he just speaks openly storylines and just giving his thoughts, you know. And but it, it still it empowers the company in a certain way where he's just a he's just a real find and just a real great guy to have on your roster in your locker room. I don't, I'm clearly he's not being heard by Vince because I think that when, remember when Vince first used that term, I can't be in the weeds, pal, can't be in the weeds. <laughs> well, that's when he hired Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman. You see how short lived that was mm-hmm. uh, when Paul Heyman was running SmackDown when SmackDown and raw going after each other. This is early two thousands, right? Bro? Yeah. SmackDown six. Met, and Paul Heyman's his SmackDown was so much better than Stephanie's raw. 
So I mean, James says in the comments, SmackDown Six on the best wrestling you know we've seen in WWE ever on television. Oh, like he was buried though. He was basically buried by throwing him to SmackDown. Like, fine, you can be in charge of something. We'll give you SmackDown. (laughs) And then he, like, turns it into the better show of that era. Oh, he killed it. He killed it. And then because of his success, that's too much, pal. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, he is definitely in that Mount Rushmore of great minds. I just, you know, again, with no bounce checks, no bingo halls, it was just (laughs) him being able to – he'd be great. But again, it's about power with Vince, right? right? It's about power. He won't give Paul Heyman that kind of power. He'll give him, he'll let him preside over the bloodline and be able to give some thoughts there and pitch in some thoughts there. But it's too bad because I think under Paul Heyman, some of the superstars that we'd love to see in the WWE get more time or championship level matches, I'm sure Paul probably has in his mind 10 guys, 10 or 10 women that could really get over in the WWE that's been uh, undervalued. Yeah, I mean, we saw it those few brief months that he was in charge of Raw, like some of those guys getting those pushes. It makes you wonder, and obviously money, I'm sure, is a big factor in it. Like, why stick around if you're Paul? Like, why not go help Tony? Like, if Tony's going to be willing to listen to Paul, like, I trust Paul Heyman to sell out Wembley. I, I yeah. think that, uh, he still owes a lot of ECW uh, wrestlers money, so he just keeps okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Dreamer still okay. Wait, he still owes Tommy Dreamer money? Like that's what are we doing here? He still Rhino? Like he he owes Rhino money? Like who does he Rhino owe? still doing the indies just so he can make up for the money that was lost in ECW. <laughs> All right, fair. Number three, Brian. All right, WrestleMania obviously was the big part of the weekend, but there's plenty of other wrestling. So guys, what were some of your highlights of WrestleMania weekend? With all around the wrestling world. All right. So we are each assigned different things, right? So I had NXT stand and deliver. Uh, Jay Hood, you had the ROH show. And Brian, you had everything else. Yeah. No. That's, that's correct. I saw a lot of the Ukrainian center in Los Angeles. They hosted multiple shows. So shout out to them. <laughs> okay. Um, so NXT stand and deliver. Um, the the women's... they. <laughs> They kicked off with the women's um, championship match, which was a ladder match. Yeah. It was, it was a little, it was rough. All right. Let's just be honest. All right. It was rough. It was rough. All right. Um, There were some great moments, but there are also some moments where it's like, okay, this is why you're in NXT. It just, it might've been better off had they limited the participants to maybe three or four. I don't know if it needed to be as deep as it was. Um, Dexter Loomis showing up out of nowhere. Like I know, I know from a very basic research that he at one point was Indy Hartwell's on-screen husband because they had like a marriage in NXT 2.0. They did? I don't, Yes. yes, when Gargano was there. Yes, yes, because they okay. had like a faction. Uh, the way was that the name of the way, faction? Yes, yep. Uh-huh. Uh, because they did a celebration after Gargano won his match too. Out, you know, with the four of them. Uh-huh. But I don't know if like that was ever mentioned. Like I don't know the last time it was mentioned. But he suddenly shows up and like creepily gives a thumbs up, like as he's laying between her legs. Which again, very strange way to do all of this. But everything they do with Dexter Loomis is very, very strange. He was uh, so- fired after that wedding. Like he has since been released during yes during this yes. weekend. And when that on screen marriage happened, he was released yes. from the company. So, you know, like a huge throwback to all those diehard NXT fans. So that that moment got over as he helped her up the ladder to have her become the new NXT women's champion. Um, 
So, you know, again, the, the fans seem to enjoy that moment. Um, I mean, the best match on the card, not shockingly, was going to involve the guy who's actually on, you know, the main roster, whose nickname <laughs> happens to deal with wrestling. Um, so Johnny Wrestling and, and his match was really good. It was a uh, unsanctioned match um, that he uh-huh. had that was pretty good. Uh, the, more, the North American, though, the North American five-way probably stole the show. Like, you saw some guys that have now no chance to succeed under Vince because they're a bunch of undersized dudes that, you know, we'll probably see in AEW one day. Um, Who who was it? Who was in the match? So you had Dragon Lee. um, You had Wes Lee, who is the West... Wes Lee, he Are is the related? current North American champion. No, one's black, one is Asian. Okay. Is, it, is, is, there, is that two names or one, Wesley? Wes. It's two names. Yeah. Wes Lee. Ah. Yeah. He was part of it's the very... Radicals, remember? Yeah. And then his partner got fired. They were tag champs. You've Look, seen that. Man, they were in you guys, you guys made me watch NXT, and I haven't watched like NXT since it was black and gold. All right. Like uh-huh. you guys made me do this. So I'm struggling to explain by very rudimentary of what happened storyline wise in a lot of these things. All right. Yeah. Well, it's your fault. It's <laughs> your fault. <laughs> we just want you to buy in. You've got to, I mean, listen, it's a big WrestleMania weekend. There's a lot yeah. to cover here. Somebody had to watch NXT. Not me. Afternoon <laughs> Saturday show. Get excited. Um, who else was in that match? Uh, Axiom, a luchador named uh, Axiom, who is, again, flew around, did some cool moves. I, I don't know his story, but, again, he's got zero chance to succeed in WWE. Now that his Vince story is, Jay Hood, when he walks out, he gets that slow-mo uh, entrance like uh, Johnny used to get. Oh, like Johnny oh, yes. Johnny Morrison? Uh-huh. Got it. Throwing the hand in the air? Good. Uh-huh. Original. Okay. Um, <laughs> Those are the ones that kind of stood out in that match, but it was good. It was a really good match. Uh, Wes Lee, again, two names, not one. Wes Lee ended up retaining, um, which the end of the match was meh. I mean, he he has this, um, I'm trying to remember the name of his finisher, but it's like a kick and there were two guys and wasn't clear that he had connected, but he ended up going over. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if Braun Breaker's ready for the main, main roster. I'm just. Oh, now. I'm, Let's talk about that. Again, I'm not watching NXT every week, so I'm not seeing him cut promos. But like the the WWE style of again, it's 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 helpful for you know people like me who just happen to be diving in for this, and they they play the video before the match. I wasn't really impressed with his portion of the hype video. Like I just I didn't buy into him being a convincing talker. Like if you again, he has the look. The in-ring match was pretty good. He ended up losing, so presumably he's going to be showing up maybe on SmackDown on Friday night. Maybe well, he shows up soon. But if you give him a manager and give him a mouthpiece, well, that's probably what you're going to need to do in order to have him have success on the main roster. Well, I guess obviously your NXT watching didn't extend to Tuesday. I guess you were burnt out after saying deliver. They had him turn heel Tuesday, which sort of makes you think that he's not coming up anytime oh. soon. They're still prolonging that storyline. Uh, shout out to Gerald, the cardiac kick, by the way, going go. back to Wesley's finishing mood is the cardiac kick. Um, See, someone's watching. He's part of that yeah. 600,000 every week. <laughs> you can have a bomb drop and that's and NXT will still draw 600,000. It's amazing. So so it was Ilya Dragunov in that match? Yeah. And J.D. Mm-hmm. McDonough? Oh, oh, yeah. Dragunov yeah. is awesome. That guy can go. And I know who that that's... is. I used to watch NXT UK all the time. And, then, and McDonough changed his name. 
what was his name? I've got his, his previous name, but those guys can go. I know that because those yeah, are again, sports. Again, that guys. match, that match was fantastic. It was probably the se- it was my second favorite match that I watched behind the um behind the unsanctioned match. And then uh, and so, but you don't think that? Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I will because I don't watch. If you don't think that Braun Breaker is ready, then that definitely means that Vince is bringing him up at some point soon. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Seriously. Jordan Devlin, he was yeah, he was awesome in NXT UK. I used to watch him, but if that's how you feel, and like, you're and more than likely, I've heard him speak. He's like his dad, for God's sakes. Yeah, like Rick. Well, they're thirty three percent at thirty three percent, and that gives me a fifty percent chance to win if he cuts that promo. I'm all the way out. I really did like Carmelo Hayes, though. If Carmelo Hayes ended up on the main roster before Braun Breaker, wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I've told you guys for a while. Carmelo is ready. Carmelo is that guy. Ron probably doesn't want to be associated with his dad right now. A rough weekend uh, for Rick and uh, some of his uh, thoughts that are a little, you know, not great. But, like, yeah, there's obviously something there, but he still has that Vince look. So, yeah, he'll be up in no time, and he'll probably be the one to knock off Gunther. Bro, it's, I did not get a, an official attendance on the Galen Center in Los Angeles for, for a ring of honor, mm-hmm. a supercard of honor. Um, I did watch. I was interested in something that's real, actually, with Claudio Castagnoli and Eddie Kingston. They don't like each other. That's legit, and uh, it was a really solid match. Very, very good. Claudio says forty four seventy two. By the way, that's not bad. Middle of the day. Yeah, I think it was the middle of the day in Los Angeles, so that that's fine. Yeah. Um, Claudio and, and Kingston was the main event for the ROH Championship. It was physical. Uh, it's the best that I've seen of Eddie Kingston under AEW. I would say since he's been in AEW, he was that good. I thought it was fantastic after the match. Eddie Kingston grabs the mic, and the producer on the at, on the floor is like, "Hey, we got one minute," and he starts swearing like out of no, just like, like George Carlin, like swearing, MFS, blah blah blah, the worst, the worst. Yes, it, it was not PG in the slightest. I mean, my God, man. Uh, as so I, Eddie's as he, Eddie's gonna Eddie man like Eddie's just gonna I do was, what Eddie does. I mean, After that thirty second promo, I was like, oh, I guess that's why he's never gonna be a world champ. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, they can't trust him with an open microphone. Oh, I get it now. He shoots on MJF. Says MJF gets thirty minutes on TV. I just want five. Okay, all right. That you clear and he of course you know what he did after the match he put over every Japanese wrestler and just said all oh, these guys are great and I suck you know that's so that's what he does all the time Samoa Joy gets Mark Briscoe for the TV championship Mark Briscoe at some point I think he's gonna be ROH champion I don't know when but I think that he will be as I we talked about a couple weeks ago Mark was gonna relinquish half of those tag team championships and that's what happened he didn't want to be a tag team partner with anyone else so I thought that his matchup with Samoa Joe was great. The fans stood up and applauded Mark Briscoe. Mark Briscoe's family was there. It was tearful. It was emotional for a lot of people because everyone knows what Mark has gone through. And also the way they played the emotional card, like him going to tag in Jay during that match, like tugging on the heartstrings. Come oh, on, guys. Tough. Uh, Shibata, odd music, but yet still over. Um, he, he was able to beat Wheeler Yuta for the uh, Pure Championship. Yuta is is quite the wrestler, and I know he's been through a lot with injuries and everything else. But that was a solid matchup. Brian Danielson called him a shithead. <laughs> I did. I heard that. Like, like, why did he do that last night? I don't think even Yuta was surprised at that. <laughs> like, why he's a shithead, but I still love him. Like, okay, That's weird. I guess. Why are you calling him that? <laughs> um, the Athena that we saw against Jade Cargill at AEW is not the Athena we see in ROH. Would you agree with that, bro? I mean, 
she is a uh, very aggressive yes. and a heel, and she's walking in her heeldom, if that's a word. She took on Yuka Sasaki, and she was fantastic in that matchup. That's one of my um, one of my favorite matches to watch on the card, as a matter of fact. And of course, the reach for the Sky Ladder match, the Kingdom Aussie Open top flight. There was an injury in that top flight. Was that was that that card? Yes, that was Dante. Oh boy. Uh, His foot's not supposed to go that way. And that oh happened. my god! Taking out and Rush and Listico and the Lucha Brothers. Hey, I'm, this is for both Martin brothers, both of them, Darius and and Dante. Stop doing shit that you don't know how to do. Yeah, if, say for instance, you leave that spot out where you have all these tables and you're going through the tables and you break your leg. Okay, if you don't have that spot, is the match still good? Yes. You don't have to do that to impress me. Why? I mean, why you 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 are, are it's kind of like athletes that we cover every day. Boy, that guy's always injured. Boy, that she's always injured. Well, the Martins are always injured. So why put yeah. yourself in that kind of risk? And he says you're never going to get over if you're always on the IL. And that's what happened with, with Dante Martin. So I thought it was a very very good card. You you watched it too, bro? It's right. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great card. I game watched it also. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm. I'm you, oh Kingdom. yeah. That is true. You figured out the first match of the night. Yeah, that's that was my main event. That was my favorite match of the of the week. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. We'll there. okay yeah. All right, so we'll get to it there. All right, I'm like, you gave me the entire thing, and you don't even mention the best professional wrestler in the world. Why are you? Wait a minute. You can't just switch over. I did. I did. I converted. I converted. Vikingo converted me. I don't know what you want from me. My eyes have been opened to the Man. church of Vikingo. I still think that your your thought about Ray Phoenix is still solid. Oh, he hey, look, look, somebody somebody's got to be number two, and Ray's number two. All right, like that's Ray something. Phoenix is number two. That's something. So speaking of Vikingo, like if you watch really, I think any indie show from the weekend, he was working it. That guy <laughs> got his works in. He got some matches. There were nights where it's like, pretty sure this is match number three of the night. He definitely made the most of his weekend. He went home happy financially this weekend in LA. So I will say that. The Some of the shows I saw, though, the Impact New Japan, the multiverse show, from a production standpoint, that was the worst show I watched all weekend. <laughs> like, lighting, audio issues, throwing Dark. the packages that just don't play. Like These were the two legit companies, and it just didn't work uh, technically. So there's that. From a wrestling standpoint, though, Minoru Suzuki, I think I can watch him until he's 100. He faced Kenta on that show. He's really good. Diana Perazzo, I think she's someone also that we don't talk about enough. Yes. She won a four-way that night. She's gonna she's scheduled to take on Mickey James for the Impact Women's Title or the Knockouts, or they call it. She's good, and I feel like she deserves a bigger stage. I would agree. Diana Perazzo is a fantastic wrestler. She's got a great promo. She's uh -huh. got a great look. Um, that's just one of these women that's waiting to get to the next level. Impact is a nice little stopping point, but eventually she should be in uh, one of the big companies. That's for sure. Couple other notes and a couple of Bloodsport nine, the biggest story of the weekend. Mox barely bled on that show. He literally had a little <laughs> bit of blood and it was an accident. The title of the show is Bloodsport Nine. There were no wrestling ropes, there were no pinfalls, and Mox barely bled on that show. No ropes, you say? No ropes, no, no pinfalls either. Submission or knockout, the only way you win at Bloodsport. Anybody, anybody else in that card of, of interest, of note? Uh, Johnny Bloodsport. You've heard of him? Johnny oh. Impact? Oh. Johnny <laughs> Rampage, whatever. Johnny He's Bloodsport was on that show. He's the best. And also that night was uh, Mike Bailey versus Bushi. That match was really good. 
Ooh. Uh, okay, I'm gonna have to go search. I'm gonna search that one out though. Okay, yes. Abushi against uh, Mike uh, Speedball Mike Bailey you said. Yes, and okay. like the submission or knockout, the only way you win that match was really good. The other show also on fight, Joey Janela Spring Break. I'll say this: I enjoyed that show more than any other show besides the ROH one all weekend. Like that was a really good, fun show. You had a Matt Cardona running with his Cody Rhodes jacket, and he cut a promo about how his best friend's going to win the WWE title at WrestleMania and how excited he was for that. Um, you love tag wrestling, Jay Hood. Motor City Machine Guns versus the East West Express, which is Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. I don't know who Jordan Oliver oh, is. Oh, wow. That was a damn good match for the GCW tag titles. Nick Wayne, he's 17. 17. His mom was oh, there. She that out LA. Yes. Holy shit. Okay, I got to find that. Thank you very much for telling me. I'll go search that out. Nick Wayne, the prodigy, signed by yeah. AEW, but he's he's been wrestling since he's 15 years old. <laughs> God, and he's so good. So good. And <laughs> so imagine it's him and his partner versus the Motor City Machine Guns. We know how well they can go. Like, they've been wrestling longer than the kid's been alive. Yeah. That was a damn good tag match. Holy cow. All right. Check that out, too. That's good. So those are some of my, uh, like I said, the Ukrainian Center. A lot of the shows were there, but uh, shout out to the Ukrainian Center in L.A. Are you subscribed to Fight Plus yet? Because don't they have that now? Yes. Yeah, so actually, a little secret here. There's a seven-day free trial. All these shows were included in that. Hit that cancel button yesterday. Got my money's worth this weekend. This guy knows value, doesn't he? Yeah, but like, <laughs> they, you're still gonna want to watch that random barn show in yeah. Iowa. That so you're gonna have to subscribe again. So that's the thing from a life standpoint. Like, I had to cancel it. Like, it is a good value for the amount of shows you get. But from a life standpoint, the Thursday night barn show. Like, I don't know if I can do that life wise. So it was a <laughs> life decision to hit that cancel button yesterday. So that's also, the, also fair the secret fair. game is he's got me. For passwords. Fair. <laughs> That's the other secret too. Duluth, Georgia, some bar. What do you got a password for me? All right, Duluth, Georgia. <laughs> That's he also has me because he knows I've got the he knows I've got the codes. Oh, no man. comment. It's so ridiculous. Like not, sometimes and there's gonna be some point. I'm just gonna deny you. Like you know what? You don't need to watch that. No. No. Nice. We at some point, yes. If you are the gatekeeper, yes, you you need to save him from yourself, from himself. <laughs> Look, I did the hard work for you guys. I watched the full shows. I watched at least you know twenty to thirty hours of wrestling. And I gave you a couple matches: Mike Bailey versus Abushi, Bloodsport Nine, Motor City Machine Guns, East West Express, Joey Nellis Spring Break. So you're welcome. Doing the service of the people. What do we got news and notes, Brian? All right. If you haven't forgotten, tomorrow night from Kingston, Rhode Island, it is AEW. Rampage, I mean, Battle of the Belt 6. Yes. I feel like they forget they happen, but we yes. will have on that show. The Lucha Bros defend the ROH tag titles against Hobbs and QT. Jade defends the TBS title against Billy Starks. Billy, by the way, 0-6 in AEW. And Orange Cassidy defends the international title against Drillistico. My God, Orange Cassidy's Rick Steamboat. My God. <laughs> I mean, I mean, modern, every he's week. a modern day steamboat. God <laughs> almighty. He's, I didn't see it coming. He's 100% correct. My God. He's just like the workhorse every week with this guy. He must rate well. There's a, yeah. And, and, and I, I never get tired of seeing him. It's just like, God almighty. Every show he's on. Well, yeah. He's wrestling every one of them, too. Like, you bring up a great point. Like, when he became the then All Atlantic champion, now the international champion, yeah. did you ever did you ever think you would utter the words 
my God, he's Ricky Steamboat when talking about Orange Cassidy. I mean, seriously, he's out there every week. I mean, just putting on banger after banger. Like, it's, uh-huh. like so much, we laughed at that championship. We said too many championships. Well, who knew that that championship actually is being defended and out there more than the TNT title? I had to look up today who the TNT champion was. I forgot it was Hobbs already. Oh, it's Hobbs. Yeah. I think the last time we saw him, he was doing the backstage QTV thing. I think that I literally think that's the last time I saw him sitting back in one of those chairs doing the fake um, uh, TMZ thing TMZ, with yeah. the uh, championship on his shoulder. Well, yeah, don't we worry. Can... I battle the belt. He'll be competing for the ROH tag titles. Uh, yeah. We got no, we got no QTV on uh, on Dynamite uh, Wednesday. Oh, shucks. Yeah, got that. <laughs> Instead, we got the song and dance from MJF. We got that. <laughs> that guy's talented, man. I put out there GKW underscore wrestling and said, you know what? Somewhere Vince McMahon's watching this. He's a song and dance man. He's a showman. Goddamn, pal. Bring him in. And then from there, I'm telling you, I'm sure he looked at that and said he didn't care about the wrestling. He saw that guy taking over Long Island. I mean, doing like an old school song and dance routine and killed it. Yeah. Killed it. That was a WWE style segment, but he made it happen. It It was so WWE. It really was. But, I mean, he killed it, man. Give him credit. And, and by the way, so I, I look forward to two, the two-hour special of Rampage because if there is a uh, Battle of the Belts, that means it's two hours of Rampage. Two hours of Rampage. Rampage is live, and then Battle of the Belts live also. Check your DVRs because those are two separate shows. So if you have those recorded, you need to record Battle of the Belts 6. But Kingston, Rhode Island, that sounds like Jeff Jarrett booked that building. <laughs> I've never even heard that city before. K- Kingston, Rhode Island. Yeah, wow. where they will take place tomorrow. Elsewhere, oh, Andrade, an interview with Lucha Libre online, says his AEW contract expires, quote, very soon. He said he had surgery in November to fix a torn chest. Previously, he said he signed a three-year deal, which was in June of 2021. So if we're going off of that, that's not quite very soon. Um, I mean, look, he, he may have to reevaluate his plans anyway, because if Vince is in charge, like they're going to be – WWE isn't going to be signing anybody anytime soon. Right. They're going to be releasing more than they're signing over the next probably month. Like if we, by this time next week, if we have a list of releases, that's not going to shock anyone. Right. Because that's what happens when a company buys, like, you know, when a company steps in and buys a company like WWE and then combines it with a company like UFC, you end up cutting people with redundancies on the office side. And then you're looking to cut costs and, and on, you know, Elsewhere. So I, I would not be shocked if we get a list of performers who are released by this time next week. I fully expect that list to be all the rehired people. Like everyone that Vince already fired, the Triple H rehire is like, hey, they still work here? I'm like, damn it, you gotta go. I told you, Bronson Reed, out. Right. Oh, Emma. Bronson Reed, oh. Bray. Emma. Like, I'm surprised Braun Strowman got fired for the first time. Yeah, I, I agree. Bet Braun that. sticks around. Johnny's um, gone. Johnny's gone. Mm-hmm. Probably is what I mean. Candace probably yeah. goes with Johnny. Uh huh. That's fine. Um, Damn. I mean, what what is she I done? Mean, she, no, she hasn't done anything there. She'd be great elsewhere. I think she can go with anyone. Yeah, no question. Just not not there. It just right. You know, but just staying on topic about Andrade. This is what happens. You have to do one of two things if you're Tony Khan. Either you're bringing his talent in to get them over and put them on your TV to get ratings. Or you're just trying to do an arms race and just get, oh, just to make sure it didn't go to Vince, go to me. Well, that's not 
that's not smart business. I don't care how much money Tony Khan has. A talent like that should be in the forefront. He's he is entertaining when healthy, obviously. So just the idea that you're just bringing people in, like Jay White. If Jay White's not in toward the middle of the card or to the top of the card in six months, then what are you getting him in there for? Sure. I mean, uh, that you he sh- he's that good and quickly, by the way, in his career. I mean, he lit up New Japan. He's in AEW now. Don't just let him just be on Dark or, yeah, or, don't, or Rampage. That guy is has got a gift to gab, and he can go. Let's not screw around here. So why do you bring in talent? To get him over. Let's get these guys over now. Yeah, that's fair. And finally, news and notes. Sad news in the wrestling world. Bushwhacker Butch passing away this week at the age of 78. He had flew into L.A. from New Zealand for all his wrestling appearances. Member of the Hall of Fame class of 2015. So, before they were the lovable bushwhackers in the WWE, they were the sheep herders. Uh, and they were a bloodthirsty team from New Zealand. And they were all over the country and around the world as heels. They were from New Zealand. They hated America. They hated any country besides New Zealand. They'd have the flag. And that was a team from Portland to Puerto Rico that would just spill blood everywhere and spill everyone else's blood everywhere because they were that good. It's, it's amazing the metamorphosis, though, right? They had the same outfits. They had, like, the fatigues, the army fatigues, and they had, like, the green singlet. And they would just be tearing up everybody. They went to WWE with the same outfit, but yet they were baby faces licking on everybody. It, it's a, it is an amazing metamorphosis, a complete 180 of who they were for years. Come to WWE, they got dolls. They're with kids. <laughs> they don't have any teeth. They still got those same gig marks on their on their forehead, but yet they were lovable. Amazing change from the sheep herders to the bushwhackers. It's amazing to me that a team from New Zealand would be like, usually when you think the I hate America gimmick, New Zealand's not the first country that comes to mind that that's going to work for that nationality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so many, so many great moments with the sheep herders. So all the best. And by the way, like they, they were both alive. Both sheep herders were alive. They were, I think is, is Butch that passed away. Correct. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. Butch passed away. He was flying in from New Zealand to Los Angeles yeah. for signing. And yeah, they were making appearances together this week, but I do like seeing on the comments, like, I've seen that uh, the sheep herder sentiment a lot. Like, I don't think I've ever seen them as that. I vividly remember them as a child, like being that memorable team where, you know, they're not winning matches, but they're out there doing their thing. They're looking, licking children in the front row. Like, I want to look up and sort of made it a point to find some of the sheep herder matches and see that other side of them. Oh, <laughs> it's not for the fan of hearts, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a child watching the sheep the sheep herders like oh my god, they hated America and they were making people bleed just in regular. That's awesome. It's crazy. What did you, did you like? Uh, did you like dynamite? By the way, Gabe, what's your letter was, grade? Um, I'm gonna go B minus. It was fine. Like I don't think it was like the MJF stuff that was entertaining. I mean, Jay White coming out was a legitimate surprise, um, but they didn't do much with it to build any sort of angle going forward other than he's going to be with Juice Robinson. Um, I, I, I would have liked to have seen more with that. Like, you bring him out, like, go harder with it, bring it more. Like, it seems like the biggest thing last night was the announcement that they made about going to Wembley, and that's kind of what the show was almost built around. FTR tag champs. Hopefully that leads <sighs> to something. That match was sloppy. Oh, yeah, that match was not good, but hey. 
Yeah. Like I had, I had such high hopes for that match because of FTR. And then it just, it was like, all right, thank God this is over. I'm glad FTR's champs. I'm glad yeah. they're sticking around in AEW because I know they're going to do some great things going forward. But whatever that just was, that was not great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of bad matches, what were some good matches that you guys enjoyed? What was your match of the week? FTR gets the guns. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> oh, so, okay. It is. It was one of my matches of the week. But let me just. I want to put us under this segment here. Match of the week. The issue with the match was not FTR. This is what happens when you put a couple of neophytes in the in, and put straps on them. They were not ready for that match. No, nope. they were not ready. The timing was off. FTR was ready. They weren't yeah. rusty. They're ready to go. But see, those kids were not ready. And, but I, but here's what I like most about the match, the psychology of it. Yes. The guns did all they could to try oh, to get Oh, I, I enjoyed that part, yeah. yeah. The psychology of it, that's what made the match for me, the psychology. Anything in front of Paul Turner, the referee, they're trying to get disqualified so that way FTR can leave AEW. And they tried time and time again, they could not do it. And FTR wins the, the match. And it was a big pop for the people um, watching it on AEW that, that was in the arena. So... I just like the psychology of it, but if you had a problem with that match, blame those kids. And, and then on top of that, by the way, wait a minute. How are they coming out to 50 cents? Are you fucking kidding me? Those two? 50 cents? You waste music on those two? Tony's got money on that. Many men for those two? In white tights? Oh, man. I hit the roof when I saw that yesterday. I'm like... Wait a minute, they don't get the cool entrance. No, <laughs> those two get out of here. They're yeah. not even over. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that wasn't gonna get them over. Everyone's going like, look at these clowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I blew I blew a gasket. I'm like, oh, they've gotta lose now. 50 cent? Who paid for that? <laughs> wow. And they get who paid for it. Hold yep. on a second. And they get the Spike Lee camera. Are yes. you kidding me? You get the, the do the right thing, spin around camera shot, those two? And it's not even on a pay-per-view when they get that music. Come on, man. Main event spot. Well, that's because that's because they ain't gonna be on the pay-per-view, Jay Hood. They you yeah. know, if they're gonna get it, that, that, that was the time they were going to get it. I mean that music and that camera is for the for a pay-per-view, not just oh. random dynamite in Long Island. That's what I'm saying. Like I was I was stunned by that. Like that they're coming out. Many men, many I said. Who's coming out? Those two? Oh my, oh my God. Like, oh, you got excited. You thought it was going to be, oh, who did Tony side now? He started with Jay White. Who's he got now? Oh, okay. Never mind. I guess it is just a regular tag match. Oh my God. So I, I, I like the, I like that. And I like the King against Commander. I thought that was the best match on the card for Ring of Honor. Yeah, I agree with that match. I think also we haven't talked about it really because we did it all this weekend. Charlotte and Rhea, like that match still was so damn good. It was so physical. It was so not WWE, but I think those were my two matches, Charlotte, Rhea, and Vikingo and Commander. Yeah, Vikingo Commander, obviously, um, going to be on the top for me. Um, and I, I mean, again, I really enjoyed the the Johnny Gargano match from NXT. Like, okay. it, it was the thing that I, and, and again, maybe it was because I was the most comfortable because I'm familiar with, with Gargano and wasn't familiar with a lot of the other things going on. But I thought it was, um, again, pairing with the video package and then the psychology of the way they started that match as physical as they made it. Like a lot of times when they go to unsanctioned matches, like, 
oh, okay, we're going to grapple right away. You know, like, okay, this is like unsanctioned match because this is kind of a blood feud. And and at one point, Gargano's throwing chairs. Like his wife comes, you know, uh, Candace comes over the uh, the guardrail. She's, you know, going after uh, his his opponent with a uh, with a kendo stick. The, the psychology, you were just talking about the psychology of the match uh, last night. I really like the psychology of that match. Because again, too many times I feel in WWE, you have this like big blow-off match that doesn't follow up with the physicality that's supposed to go with a match like that. Mm-hmm. And that delivered for NXT. So so that means you're going to be watching uh, NXT now. You're going to be on. No, obviously not, because I thought Braun Breaker <laughs> might get called up. It turns out he went, you know, went heel he on Tuesday. He couldn't even finish watching this week. He couldn't get into Tuesday. Like, like there was no momentum. We're like, all right, I guess I can watch this three days later. That, honestly, God, God bless Gabe. That was just a one-off, man. He wasn't going to do anything else besides that. The punishment of watching stand and deliver and, watch, and then done. Not even a follow-up. Is he watching Masters practice rounds instead of NXT on Tuesday night? <laughs> Very true. It's very true. Hey, I don't blame him. I'm not watching that show. <laughs> I'm not watching that show. Like, I, I'm not. Hey, oh, I, I'm giving. I'm giving some ring. I'm watching Ring of Honor because I want to see some good action. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it because we're getting some good matches here. So you know, but but NXT, no, it <laughs> it died when when it, we it turned into the Jenny Jones show. That whole studio <laughs> thing, the splotches, the paint. Like, okay, I'm done. It died for me. It did. Yeah. Yeah. It said, and by the way, people will listen and be like, oh, you're against the wrestlers there. No, just the philosophy. Just Shawn Michaels. That's all. Just They're just not ready. And the crazy part is apparently on the network, and I've learned this recently because of some hires over there, there's a level below that they show on the network. Like wrestlers that aren't ready for NXT. It's uh, – oh. it, I forgot the name of the show. It's NXT – like, get, nights, get right? ready or something like that. I don't know when it airs. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> I love get that. Ready. Thing. <laughs> NXT, get ready. I like that. <laughs> you say it exists. <laughs> if that's, that if that's not the name of the show, like, okay, Andrew's telling us it's level up. Level, yeah, same thing. Tomato, tomato. But from now on, that show is going to be forever known as NXT Get Ready. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, lo- I love Get Ready as a name, though. Sounds like a, a It sounds like a GCW pay-per-view. They yeah. just call anything anything. It's like, yeah, get ready. They yeah, have odd names for their shows. Well... <laughs> The one thing we know for sure, this was a really interesting week in professional wrestling, not just because we're coming off of Mania Week and we had so many shows to watch, but obviously a lot of things happening outside the business as well as things are changing in the WWE. So we're going to keep our eye on that. And it's our anniversary. It is yes. our anniversary. Happy anniversary, everybody. Yeah. Happy anniversary. We're no one made it a year. Fall into, man. It's our <laughs> no, that is the that is the wrestling trope where there's there's no cake to fall into. Nope, and the company didn't think we'd last a year. Yeah, they, they didn't even get us a cake. Nope. But, but here we are, still standing one year later. I know for one thing for sure, we will be back next week to talk everything going on in the world of professional wrestling on GKW.